0: Seven four Tango Whiskey for twenty six for three thousand, one four zero uh, on heading.
1: Right, everybody welcome to frequent flyer here it is sunday june 5 2022 here as we patiently wait for the off season to pick up some steam the playoffs are still ongoing we're in the conference finals now and neither one of those series are you know particularly uh, entertaining hockey i guess but uh hopefully uh what are we at draft is what july 7 so one two three four and a half weeks until the draft. I would assume in that time, sometime the Flyers hire a coach, but uh, I'm sure we'll we'll touch upon that at some point tonight. But uh, to help me talk about all this, uh, the lack of Flyers news happening, we got to our regular co-host back, Manny Benavidez. Manny, how you doing? Oh,
0: fantastic, gents. How are you? We'll have to find something to talk about. Is, does it have to be all Flyers related? No. Maybe we could maybe we could discuss future Flyer theme nights you know star star wars night is a big hit marvel Comics superhero night is a big hit hey dave scott how about this one juggalo's night remember the insane clown posse would that (laughs) one work
1: i mean it may as well they put more fucking (laughs) effort into it than they do pride night so doesn't matter but and uh mike asito is back as always mike how you doing
2: fantastic good evening gentlemen great to be with you as always and uh Yeah, you know, we are seeing the after effects of the NHL taking a month off in the middle of the season and essentially delaying everything to an absurd extent now where we are in June and the playoffs still have at least several more weeks and everybody's just waiting to get on with their lives at this point. It's a very, very weird time frame. I know COVID kind of threw some curveballs to us the past couple of years, but this season just seems uh, like it's dragging on
1: forever right now. Yeah, June five. That's usually right around when the uh, cup final starts, right? Uh, right about the time. So, um, yeah, we're delayed a full month now. But uh, you know, I guess if they both uh, conference finals end up being a sweep, that'll hurry the timeline up a little bit, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But it's not going to make the draft come any faster. That's um, you know, a firm date, unfortunately. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight is the direction of the franchise. And I think it's a term that gets thrown around a lot on, on the socials. And a lot of people talk about the lack of direction. And I think it's interesting, because I don't believe that's true. I don't think they don't know what they're doing. But I think their off-season plans can be so drastically different based on who they do and do not land. You know, I firmly believe if it was up to the Flyers, they would take Trotz and Gaudreau and Philip Forsberg and all these guys, but the reality of the situation is the ball is in their court, right? They can interview Trotz, but whether Trotz tells them to fuck off or not, it's his call. They can, you know, if Gaudreau does make it to free agency, the Flyers can offer him money, but it's ultimately his call whether he wants to join the team or not. So, you know, they want the best, but it's it's so weird. It seems like their top two coaching guys right now are Barry Trotz or Jim Montgomery. And it's like, could you have two more different top guys at this point? Here's a guy with 1,800 games under his belt, a Stanley Cup, one of the most respected defensive coaches in the league. And here's Jim Montgomery with 118 games under his belt. And he has college success and his NHL record is, you know, it's just, I don't think it's a lack of direction in the sense of a lack of trying from Chuck Fletcher to put a team on the ice next year, but I think it's the fact that <laughs> the if if the free agent pool and talent pool is so shallow this year that if you miss out on the big fish, all of a sudden the next direction you can take the second tier guys are so low that any other you'd be third or fourth tier guys that, you know, you could real realistically make or break the team. If Gaudreau and Trotz land here, that's going to be great. And if both of them don't show up, then what do you do? So I don't think it's a lack of direction, but I do think they put themselves in such an interesting spot where if they do not hit a home run, what is this team going to look like next year?
2: Yeah, I think that. I think the coaching hire is something that is perplexing to me. And I agree with you, Dan, from the standpoint that I think they're trying. Um, I think they want to do well here, but the fact that they don't know what type of coach they want. And you brought up a good point is that the candidates they're looking at, you know, couldn't be more different when it comes to Montgomery, a David Quinn, a Barry Trotz, a John Tortorella. You have guys from all over the spectrum here. And, It's just rather bizarre to me to see a professional sports franchise just interview everybody under the sun that encompasses all these different areas and styles of coaching. Usually the team has some ideas to what they want. They narrow their list to maybe two or three candidates. They don't interview like nine or ten and then figure out what sticks. Um, I can't tell what their preference is at this point. I think that they're just kind of seeing how the market plays out see who wants to come here and then move forward based upon the personnel they get, as you mentioned here. Um, It's rather uncomfortable as a fan to see that you kind of want to see, you know, some more, um, I guess, some more leadership from the team to identify what they want and what they don't. Um, But at this point it's uh, I think they're going to go with whoever they hire and, and take that direction. If that makes any sense.
0: Uh, I understand what what you guys are saying. I think that the Flyers are kind of walking a a fine line, and it can be a dangerous line if they're not careful. I, I know that, listen, they're still in the trot sweepstakes, and that's good. I'm glad that they've identified him as the number one candidate because I think all of us would be in agreement that he is the number one candidate. The thing is, is how long do you wait for um, the head cheerleader to decide who she's going to be going to the prom with? Like there's still Detroit is in the mix. We know that there's other teams in the mix for Winnipeg. services, Winnipeg, right? The flyers, Vegas is going to be an interesting one. At some point, the flyers are going to have to decide to move on. or or to continue with what their plan is for this offseason. And I I guess my question to you, gentlemen, would be, is Barry Trotz that important that you're willing to delay every single other decision that needs to be made for this roster in order to land him?
1: Yes. Because here's the thing. As long as everyone else is available, it doesn't really matter when they ultimately come together, right? If they're... If Trotz has not decided, but nobody else has decided either, Tortorella, Montgomery, uh, Tockett, you know, all these other guys that are out there, if nobody hires a coach, which, to my knowledge, no other team has did besides the Islanders, and all they did was promote an assistant, like, as long as all the other coaching options are out there... This can drag on a little bit. Now, theoretically, you want a coach by the time the draft is here and free agency opens up, but as I alluded to in the show, what's what, five weeks away yet? Like, you do have a little bit of play time. As long as these guys are still available, I don't think there's a rush for it. Now, if Trotz holds out until, like, August, and all of a sudden, you know, Tortorella's off the board, and Montgomery's off the board, all these guys start falling... Then, all right, maybe it's like, you know, shit or get off the pot. But in the meantime, as long as all the options are still available, I'm fine with them taking their time on this one.
2: Yeah, I, I'm i fine with them taking their time as well. I'd like to see them hire somebody by the time the cup finals are over. Um, I think that if you're going to hire somebody like a Trotz, I think you need time to get him in and allow him to discuss how he sees the future of the team with management and have a say in what they're going to do. Um, it, it's rather difficult to hire somebody like the day before the draft. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just kind of operating as if the coach wasn't there anyway. I think if you're going to go with a guy like Trotz, you want to bring him in for his opinion. You want to bring him in as a builder um, and take advantage of that during the off season. So I think that there, there is some danger in waiting on a variety of levels, but I don't think that we're quite there yet in terms of, oh, crap, we're panicking. The Flyers haven't made a decision yet.
0: See, basically, I asked that question because I saw something on Twitter, and I don't know if it's verified or not, but it looked like the graphic was bar down, which was like a TSN kind of thing. But I don't know if it's real or if it's somebody just messing around. And they basically said that, okay, Detroit is really pursuing John Tortorella. And a part of me is like, okay, so Steve Iserman is – he's an alpha GM. Like, if you either like what he's doing over there in Detroit or you don't, and I don't really see how you can not like what he's doing in Detroit considering that the Tampa Bay team has his fingerprints and DNA all over it and they're two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. But if it's true and they basically get sick and tired of waiting for Barry Trotts to make up his mind – And if they really realistically think that there are other clubs ahead of them in the line for Barry Trotz's services, if they swoop in and take a John Tortorella off the board, I'm wondering if that makes Chuck Fletcher a little bit squirmy in his seat. And he says, you know what, we kind of have to go and, and make a choice here because if these dominoes start falling and I know that everybody's opinion is we're waiting for the Barry trots domino to fall and then everything else is going to fall after that. But if pieces start to fall that are not berry trots and then it becomes to, okay, there's three or four teams still in the mix for trots and the flyers are one of them. Then how confident are you that they can actually land this guy? Um, or is it, does it behoove Chuck Fletcher to sit sit there and go, you know what? We're going to go after a a Kirk Muller or a Paul Maurice or a whoever. (laughs) They got the
1: Kirk Muller.
0: (laughs) Well, and this, and this is my point is if I'm John Tortorella, I don't want to be hired by a team that basically lost out on Barry Trotz. I don't want to be anybody's second choice. You're picking me with my pedigree and my record and my Stanley cup with the Tampa Bay lightning and my head coach of the year awards. You're taking me on my merits. You're not taking me because you lost out on Barry trots. That would kind of irritate me if I was John Tortorella. So I could see Tortorella signing somewhere first and then all of a sudden now you've got a chasm that opens up where you've got Barry Trotz, and then you've got the Montgomery's, the Maurice's, uh, the Kirk Muller's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pete Boer, and I don't want Pete Boer anyways, but and then you're competing with Vegas and the Winnipeg Jets and Detroit. I mean, if Trotz
1: is willing to give you the time of day, that's a good start, right? If he's not immediately telling the Philadelphia Flyers to sit and spin, like, mm-hmm. that's good, right? If you could at least bring him to the dance, you got something here. You know, I don't think I would be as panicked if Detroit made the move for somebody like Tortorella immediately. Just because there's so many coaches available right now, and you know this is a a deep, deep, deep coaching market for the first time. Yeah, there's some unsavory options there, like Pete DeBoer and Kirk Muller. Like, eh, you know, I, I wonder if <clears throat> you know Montgomery would take. Uh, an assistant coaching role and maybe come in as a side piece to whoever they do hire, or if he didn't want to be the top guy, like I, I, I do think that as long as Trotz is willing to give them the time of the day, you have to stay on that line. I don't think you get to the Trotz's final three picks and go, you know what? We're going to back out of this one voluntarily. That's a bad idea. You know, I think you wait this one out. And again, if it takes a little longer than usual, fine, but, but if you're ultimately walk away with the guy, I'd be willing to wait until late June or early July to hire the guy as long as you ultimately walk away with the King Prize here.
2: Mm-hmm. Now we had we had mentioned this a little bit um a couple of weeks ago, but what is appealing about the Flyers' head coaching position as compared to some of the other ones out there? And I think that the main thing that we concluded a few weeks ago was, well, money. The Flyers probably have as deep of pockets as any other franchise to pay their coach top dollar. And, in fact, if it's a guy like Barry Trotz, they might make him the highest uh, yeah. highest paid coach in league history, which, which has a nice ring to it if you're Barry Trotz. But at the same time, You know, you're coming into a situation that is awfully confusing for a head coach, given the roster, the status of the front office, where the organization has been, and where they seem to want to go within the next year or two here, given the personnel that they have. Um, So it's just a a weird situation for them. I'm not sure what direction they're going to go in. If I'm a guy like Barry Trotz, I do talk to the Flyers, even if I'm not interested. And my theory is that he spoke to the Flyers simply, simply in terms of getting an offer and setting his market high. So when he goes with other coaching jobs that he's probably more interested in, he can say, well, you know, the Flyers or there's another team offering me, you know, X percentage more, you need to increase your offer. So he, you know, ends up making more money. And I know that Trotz might be a guy that's interested in that because if I'm not mistaken, the reason he didn't stick with Washington after winning the cup was because the owner didn't want to pay him. Yes, which was yeah. which was ludicrous yeah. because he was a great coach. Obviously, just won, and I don't, I can't think of another sport or a coach in any sport who left based upon that after winning a championship. Um, so that chip might be on Barry Trotz's shoulder still. Maybe the Flyers can help him out there. Maybe Trotz is going to play the Flyers to increase his value. Um, but those are some things that I was kind of thinking about in terms of why he was at least talking to us now.
1: I think it's money, because it's the one thing that Dave Scott can actually use a blank check on in this day and age. You can't do it with players, but you can certainly do it with your coaches. And, like, it's still the Flyers, right? As much as they, you know, the last decade or so have not been ideal, if you come into this team and you turn the Flyers into winners, you will be a god amongst men. You know, and that could be appealing to somebody like Trotz. If you want a challenge and you come in and you take the Flyers from the drizzling shits to fucking kings of the NHL, like, that's not nothing. You know, for an old school guy like Trotz that may want legacy, this would be the team to do it on. You know, there are better options to win, you know, going... Vegas or something. You know, you're basically yeah. guaranteeing yourself a playoff appearance at least. But, yeah. you know, maybe he wants the challenge. Maybe he sees something here and, you know, maybe they offer him some kind of stake in ownership. And, and this is something we've talked about often on all season is more people in the fucking room in, you know, breaking up the chain of command a little bit. And maybe he won't be, you know, an NFL-style, you know, coach and general manager and owner and, you know, multi-layer bullshit. But, you know, if his voice goes further in the room, if he has Chuck Fletcher's ear more, like, and, and, you know, maybe some kind of guarantee if Chuck Fletcher gets booted that he's playing, you know, second fiddle next to Danny Briere. Like, there are ways to secure this guy to land here based on what he wants, money being the biggest one. But, you know, there's the challenge of being a historic organization like the Flyers and making it happen, and they could offer him more than that, like, in terms of... Bringing something to the table, you know, the the, the roster may be unsatisfying right now, and they fucking suck, but, you know, it's not like there's nothing here to interest the guy.
0: No, and that's true, but I agree with what Mike was saying, where I would be wary that the reason that the Flyers are still in the mix is that they offered an insane amount of money, and that Barry Trotz and his representatives are basically ponying around to the other teams in the NHL mm-hmm. going well like we've already got an offer for you know x amount of dollars and I know that snow the goalie uh, and aunt Filippo have kind of uh you know basically thrown around some high numbers on their podcast um which would put him in essentially like the highest paid coach in in the NHL so if that's the case like then you're being used as a pawn and then, if you miss out on the guy because Florida's still out there, Detroit's still out there. Sh- uh, has Chicago hired somebody, mm, or are they still looking? I
1: don't know. Let me see. I
0: think I think they're still looking. So there's still other teams and options out there that are have their their own level of attractiveness. And then it, when you sit there and you go to John Tortorella and you say, you know what, come to the Flyers. I don't know if I want to go there because you guys wasted your time running after Barry Trotz. I'd rather go somewhere else.
1: Derek King is still listed as interim.
0: And then then basically you start to get pigeonholed to the point where you are going to be taking a a Jim Montgomery because he's an assistant and he wants a chance at at a head coaching job. And he doesn't really have much of a choice. And then it gets to the point where do the players in the room know that this coach was, well,
1: okay, whatever. He was like their third choice anyways. I mean, the Flyers don't have respect for any of their coaches. It doesn't fucking matter whether they hire him now or later. <laughs> no, and that's why part of me really wants Tortorella just to
0: yeah. kick some of these players' yeah. asses.
1: <laughs> the only problem with that is like, I don't know, I feel like it's do, that's doom and gloom before doom and gloom happens. Like, they could still, like, if Trotz, like I said, as long as all these guys are still available, I'm not freaking out about it just yet. If we end up, you know, five weeks down the line and Trotz is somewhere else and the Flyers end up with fucking Pete DeBoer because everyone else left in the meantime. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll get angry. But in the meantime, like, I don't know. I'm just not freaking out about this yet.
0: Okay, so let me let me put this question to you, gentlemen. So let's, assu- let's say Trotz gets hired and he has a substantial voice in front office decisions. Kind of like a Mike Babcock in the Toronto Maple Leafs mold. And then shit hits the fan next year. And listen, he's not going to get fired. You hire a guy like Barry Trotz or John Tortorella with a guarantee that he's going to be around for an absolute minimum of three to four years. Yeah. No matter what happens, no matter how bad they get, Mm -hmm. because it's going to be on the players 110%. And that's it. Yes. And then... Okay, so shit hits the fan, and then Dave Scott, you know, cool hand Luke over there, uh, <laughs> basically decides, you know what? I'm going to fire Fletcher. He's not yeah. my guy anymore. And then now you've got a front office position open. Is it bad that now you're going to have Danny Brier sitting there going, well, I want the job. And then Barry Trotz is going to be sitting there going, well, I was hired here because I wanted to get a front office job and then is that actually worse for the culture of our organization or is it not i don't know what do you guys think
1: i think briere's the next gm i think that's just how it's gonna go and the probably if you hire Trots for four years as a coach and, Bre- and, and, and Fletcher doesn't make it past fucking December, you know, like, he's got his committee on the bench before that. You know, theoretically, you would have the GM's ear as coach, and then after year four, if you want a club option to, you know, elevate to the ranks, more power to you. But, I don't know, uh, unless you fire Fletcher at the very end of Trotz's contract, and then, then you get into a clash of interest there. But other than that, like, I, I don't know if that's kind of a bridge that is going to be uh, be crossed. My first question,
2: uh, I guess in responding back
1: to that question,
2: Manny, is uh, how many years left does, does Fletcher have on his contract? Um, is he going to be a lame duck general manager slash president in the next year or two? And I, my sense is that he has at least maybe two or three years more, and the speculation as to him being dismissed essentially lies in the Flyers having another bad year next year um, and Scott firing him. But what I'm actually getting at here is, will a veteran coach see through this management structure and be uncomfortable coming in to the Flyers organization based upon circumstances that you laid out in your question? Um, you know, something to the effect of, well, if I'm coming in as a coach here uh, and shit, it's the fan, what's going to happen here? If Chuck is out and there's a new GM in, where does that leave me? And if they're going to bring in a guy like Danny Briere, how do I fit into that structure, whether it's in management and or coach? And do I want to be a head coach under a first time novice general manager like Breer may be next season? Uh, those to me would be red flags. If I'm a veteran head coach that wants some stability over the next couple of years, the flyers don't really offer that they are kind of a wild card going into next season. Uh, I don't think the expectations are very clear, at least from our standpoint. Um, If you're interviewing, if you're John Tortorella, I'm not sure what the Flyers are communicating to him during the interview. You know, this is a two-way street when these guys go in there. What is Chuck Fletcher telling him? Is he saying, look, this is going to be a slow play. Um, We're going to try to win as best we can, but we're going to draft and develop over the next two years. Is he telling him uh, that we're going to try to land a guy like a Johnny Gaudreau and make him – our key player, our franchise player for the next couple of years. I don't know what how they're positioning themselves to these coaches, and it creates a lot of confusion as to what the interest level may or may not be. Uh, but if I'm a head coach like a Tortorella or a Trots that can pretty much pick where they want to go right now, given the multitude of openings, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of reluctant about the Flyers. I just don't know because I think that. Um, there is a chance that this team bottoms out again. And you have a guy like a Dave Scott who has shown his um his ability to come in at the eleventh hour and just say, Snap my fingers, I want this coach fired tomorrow and all of a sudden it 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 may set you back. You know, I don't think Chuck Fletcher wanted to fire Elaine Vignola after they got their asses kicked by Tampa Bay last December. It was a knee jerk reaction to a problem that needed to be solved, but it created an issue for the rest of the season and really bad optics. Uh, so all those things go into the ball of wax, I guess. Um, and if, so I'm not sure what the opinion is of some of these guys when they're coming in during the interviews.
1: I cannot find any contract length for Chuck Fletcher.
2: Can I jump in with a
0: question for you guys then? Sure, please. If if these coaches, whether it's Trotz or Tortorella. I guarantee you that they're being told you are going to be here for at least three years mm-hmm. because we need you to set up a system. We need you to set up the culture that this organization desperately needs.
2: Isn't that what they told Elaine Vidyo, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's, it's so, like they, uh, they told him that two and a half years ago. <laughs> if it, My question to you guys is if you're Trotz
0: or Tortorella, do you, are you worried about, well, how long does Chuck have? Because are you worried about your position if Chuck gets canned and a new GM comes in? I don't think Trotz has very much to worry about. But if you're Tortorella and you've been at the helm for you know two years and all of a sudden Chuck gets shown the door, a new GM might sit there and say, you know what? I want to get my guys in here. Are you worried about that at all or – I don't know. How much of a of a worry is the GM's job security
1: to a new coach getting hired? I guess it depends on the coach. I think whoever replace. See, the problem with all of this is, like, I think the next GM is Danny Breer. Like, that significantly limits... You know, and this goes back to everyone wanting to fire Chuck Fletcher in the first place. Like, it's not like Steve Eisenman is waiting in the fucking wings. You know, it's not like you're going to bring in some Jim Rutherford or something. You're going to bring, like, Danny Breer is more than likely the guy. He's already here. He's already with the organization. He already has Fletcher's ear. Like, he knows what's going to happen. And even in the off chance that it's not Briere and they bring in somebody like Trots or even Tortorella, like, those are guys that a new regime probably isn't going to get rid of. If they bring in, like, Jim Montgomery, some random fucking dude as coach, and they hire some other fucking general managers from outside, they're like, what the fuck? Why is this guy hired? Like, that's something. But I think if you are a veteran, respected coach like Trotz or Tartarola would be, I don't think that really, you know, plays into any dis- potential decision-making as far as firing them goes for the next regime.
2: They're playing with fire on this with the coach, though. Because if they if they spiral again for another season or two, it creates everybody right now inside that organization is on high alert based upon what's happened the past couple of years and that things are, things have reached a crescendo based upon the Hextall era as well now, because people like us are viewing the flyers based upon essentially starting in like 2013 into now. Uh, So each year, each season, each week that this team falters and continues to go down the toilet creates more urgency and and almost panic as to how they're going to get better. And they're not willing to take those one or two steps back, or I'm not sure if they are, in order to take those three or four steps forward. So I think that it's possible, and I agree with you, Dan. If, if they bring in a guy like a Trotz, I think he's probably immune to front office shakeups and happenings because the guy is so well respected everybody knows he's an upper echelon coach and you're not really going to do any better than that now it <laughs> begs the question why did Lou Lamorello fire the guy but that might be a whole nother story that we don't know about um, but I do agree with that on the other hand there's there's certainly the uncertainty where if if Chuck Fletcher ends up getting fired in the next year or two it's because the team is awful and if the team is awful that means that the coach is awful or that the coach is not doing a good job, or the players aren't winning for him, or something's happening. So those two things almost go hand in hand at that point. So then, how do you fire a Fletcher if the Flyers are, you know, the third worst team in the league again next year and the following, and then you keep the coach even if the coach has that good reputation, like a trots long term? Um, it just creates more questions than answers, I think, and that's why this is so difficult.
1: That's I the soft season. I wonder what kind of, like, leash Fletcher has. Because, like, if you're that hairpin on firing the guy, what the hell are you giving him the offseason for? You know, if you're going to fire him by Thanksgiving next year, if that's even a thing, why give him the offseason? Why not make that move now? Like, I would assume that if he's got the opportunity to do what he wants, and now listen, if shit backfires next year, you know, you may have no choice but to pull the trigger but i don't know like it just feels like if you're that that you know a few bad months to start the season and boom like that he's gone why why give the guy the summer like i would have think he's here at least all of next season at least until the trade deadline maybe at that point you would get rid of him and then give Brier the reins beyond that but like I, I don't think he's gonna get fired right away next year if shit goes off the rails in like october
2: I agree, Dan, but they have a track record of doing this over the years, well, that is which true. is which is ridiculous.
1: Yeah,
2: and what you're yeah. saying makes complete sense and is what an executive should do, absolutely. But unfortunately, this organization has an absurd track record of going into the following year and then firing <laughs> someone in a substantial position weeks or months after the season starts. Yeah, Elaine Vigneault, Ron Hextall, Peter Laviolette, uh, Peter Lafayette. three days, three <laughs> games, like, yeah. Like all of these guys, and there's probably other examples as well, where there's just random turnover of of essential personnel within the first half of seasons that makes absolutely no sense, uh, and they're shooting themselves in the foot every time. Yes, you would think it, if there was some level of of leadership or understanding at the top that says, "Look, we got to forecast what we're doing next year. If we really don't like what we're doing, change it now. Yeah. Don't do it, you know, by Thanksgiving." Don't make those decisions then because then it ruins the whole next season as well. But they do it all the time. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable that, that they can't see more than three inches in front of their faces. Yeah,
0: Yeah. see, and I would agree with that too. But I, I think that there's a big difference in the behavior of this front office and ownership if it's a Trotz or even a Tortorella as compared to if it's a guy like a Jim Montgomery. If it's a Jim Montgomery and he's getting paid, you know, less than $2 million a season to coach, they could fire him. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. They could fire everybody and it doesn't matter. But if you're going to go and you're already paying Elaine Vigneault, you know, what was it? Four $5 million? It's five. Yeah. Yeah. Five million bucks for, and it's like this year and next year, I think, too. At least. Yeah. It's either two. Or right. Three, and you know. then you're paying a guy two like years, Tron's yeah. six million or, or even more or a guy like Tortorella five million like now that the, the costs are starting to add up here you can't keep firing coaches that are making you know four to six million dollars a season I, have I three mean, different I mean, coaches on the
1: payroll at the same time
0: I mean you can't really I know that Comcast has got a ton of money money bags
2: to come in to save the day you know? yeah
0: <laughs> like at at some point you know Dave Scott needs uh, you know money for extra strength polydent <laughs> you know for his for his uh, you know over, over over at night you know to clean his dentures but at the same time if it's uh i don't know like i think you're right dan i think the flyers are going into this off season and i think that chuck has got a little bit more uh job security than people think yeah because mm-hmm. if if you're going to sit here and fire the guy by thanksgiving like, why are you letting him
1: do any of this? Yeah, why are you giving him the draft and the free agency and the trades and all this shit that he's going to try and do to salvage the team? And, and that's the thing is you're hiring a guy
0: like a Trotz or a Tortorella with the and proviso. hiring a coach, that's right. Right, with the proviso of, you know, this is going to be our team working together to get this team to where it needs to be. If you're going to get this guy can by the trade deadline, like no matter how bad this team is... And I, and again, I think that the, the the sales pitch to Dave Scott has to be we're going to try to get this thing on the rails for next year, but it's going to be a new coach and we're trying to institute a new culture. And that's really what's important. Getting these players accustomed to a new system and a new set of expectations and a no-nonsense approach of what everybody expects from ownership to management to fans and coaches about what these players are supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to do it. And I think if that's the case, then I don't see how you fire Chuck Fletcher, even after an abysmal season this year, unless, unless, unless they completely shit the bed and then you start fresh with a lottery pick in the, in the, you know, 2023 entry draft. And then basically say, we're going to start completely fresh from here, but with the coach in place, And Danny Breer is the GM or whatever, but I'm still not comfortable with Danny Breer getting the, you know, the reins with, you know, less than a year of experience as a, you know, as an assistant, you know, special assistant to the GM.
1: And that's the other thing is like every day that Fletcher stays here is another day of experience that Danny Breer gets. Right. Like if you do fire Fletcher in November, after a poor start, okay, maybe I could see them hiring a new GM from outside the organization again, somebody else. But, like, if Fletcher survives till this time next year, you know, if he gets canned after next season, which is probably the earliest time that it would happen, like, you know, I, I feel like they're going to run with Briere at that point. So that'll that'll be interesting as well, is to kind of see, you know, if Fletcher gets canned Early, do they just throw Breer straight into the friggin' deep end and say, figure it out, or do they bring him, you know, maybe put Lombardi in that role in the short term, or uh, name Breer the GM technically, but Lombardi's, you know, the assistant, I have no idea what they do, do beyond that, but yeah, that's an interesting one as far as trusting Breer to kind of run this ship. I know a lot of people do on social media just because he's Danny Breer and everybody loved him as a player, but, I mean, as far as experience goes, Christ! You know? He's got, what, a a couple years as the main Mariners GM in six months, you know, officially working with the Flyers, I guess he was shadowing yeah. Paul Holmgren for a few years there, but, like, everything he's learned, plus everything he's learned has been from, from Holmgren and Fletcher, two people that these fans absolutely fucking hate, you know, like, what are the odds that he, you know, I, I don't know, he, listen, he could be very good, who the hell knows, but at the same time, like, eesh, you know, trying to sell a rookie GM, even if it's somebody as beloved as Danny Briere, a rookie GM in the most tumultuous time in the history of the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, the organization that they are that's that's a hard sell
2: yeah so what evidence is there that that danny briere is a great negotiator with agents and with other gms yeah what what evidence what are the connections
1: he has to any other gm and
2: how does he i don't know anything about him because he's never done it before yeah
1: he's not even really the assistant he's he's a special special assistant assistant who's uh, scouting these days more than anything like
2: yeah, like, you need to have, I mean, if you want to be a good general manager, I think you have to be really sharp. Yeah. And and you have to have great relationships with other general managers. You have to, um, at some point, I mean, you kind of do have to play that three-dimensional chess. You have to be able to forecast moves like weeks, months, years in advance. You have to be able to go down one route in order to open another route. It's very, very, um, very challenging. It's a very difficult job, and I don't think Briere has that experience, you know, with the main Mariners. He's not making trades and
1: signing free agents, you know, no. due to some salary he's cap. He's booking like, hotel like, rooms at that point. Yeah, like, the stakes
2: are so much different there, and 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 I'm sure there's some level of overlap, but it's a lot different. And, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing Chuck go up to that uh, present role only at this point. Now, I don't know if he's quite at that point in his career where he wants to do that or not, um, but. I think it's probably just a matter of title anyway. If you were to um, uh, have Chuck move to president only and have Danny be the de facto GM, they're probably functioning very similar to how they would anyway with their current roles and titles. Um, So I guess they're kind of a pair for now. Um, And it depends what they do over the next year. I don't know if Danny's on a multi-year contract. I don't know if they made that public or not. I mean, he may have signed – a one-year contract with the Flyers to be a special assistant, see how it goes for a year, and all of a sudden, you know, he's interviewing for other GM positions next season. Um, I don't know that. Uh, I'd be surprised if he signed a multi-year deal as a special assistant. Um, It just is a rather strange title to have a multi-year deal for. You think you would
1: give him some kind of official title at some point, just regular assistant or, you know, whatever the plan is. But, yeah, special assistant is just one of those, like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't sign up for
2: five years to be a special assistant. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> Especially if your goal is to be the GM one day. You know, it's not like he's a retired legend that comes back and hangs around with a team. Like Dustin Brown just took a front office job with – you know, LA and he's the special assistant or whatever the fuck is, the, I don't remember what they said. It would be. you know, players like that. Every once in a while, if you retire and you're hanging around the organization, fine, but you don't have a goal to be GM. Like Breer wants to be in the front office of a team. Like, I don't think you want to be special assistant, you know, fetching Chuck Fletcher's coffee every goddamn morning, you know? So <laughs> it is interesting.
0: Did, did you guys see uh Chris Pronger at the blues in the second round against Colorado chugging a beer mm-hmm. when he was on the jungle, jumbotron. What a man! That's the guy. Man. I know. I oh, wish he was here. <laughs> but in all honesty, they need to give Danny Breer. They need to take that special assistant moniker, or at least say, you know what, you're in charge
1: of Lehigh Valley. Did did he? he play is in charge with... of Lehigh Valley. Is I guess he in Fletcher's charge? Fletcher's still technically in charge of Lehigh Valley, but I'm sure the special assistant's holding some kind of power down there. They need to give Danny Breer the keys to Lehigh Valley. Did did he
0: play with uh, Le Perrier? I think he did, right? Yeah, they would have played on the same team in early 20s. So there you go. So he already has a relationship with the head coach and get him involved in terms of the player development and trying to build the Lehigh Valley Phantoms into a consistent playoff team. Because as we've discussed on this show, I think that that's part and parcel of getting some of these young guys to where they're supposed to go and where they're supposed to get to. Let's get that AHL affiliate into a consistent winning team and that way get some of these players once they translate up into the NHL they have a little bit of a taste of what it means to win I don't think it's a a coincidence that you know when they won the Calder Cup they had guys like Richards and Carter and others there and then it's no mistake it's not a coincidence that that those players on the Flyers made a Stanley Cup final and were consistently really tough outs in the playoffs I don't think that that's a coincidence.
1: I think they have an interesting opportunity in Lehigh this year because so many people's contracts are up. I that t- There's going to be serious overhaul in, in Lehigh, theoretically. I mean, a lot of those guys are all prospects, so they're all restricted free agents. But, I mean, if they really want to overhaul the phantoms now's the time to do it you know you're gonna have a lot of a lot of bodies potentially coming off the books and a lot of turnaround and a lot of the younger guys making the jump to the nhl and you're gonna have good goaltending down there whether it's Sonstrom or urson or you know whoever the hell ends up down there we'll figure that one out when training camp opens up but now's the time to go out and bring in some like actually talented people and just stuff them in the ahl for a little while because uh christ phantoms have been um brutal the last few years and they really just don't have that it's been filled with the stall guys that are all thoroughly underwhelming and you know they bring in the couple one-year veteran you know Adam Clendetting was the veteran defenseman this year for the Phantoms yeah. and beyond that like you really didn't have anybody yeah. so now would, this would be a good summer to put some serious turnover into the Phantoms and, and find ways to make them winners and uh, you know actually give them a chance this year to to compete because it has been fuck five years now since they were uh, playoffs. to 2017 I think was the last time they had any kind of noise uh, so it's it's been a long time and, and now would be a good time to again with all the contracts coming off the books to to potentially um, see some overhaul in Lehigh this year I mean that would be great
2: and it also depends I am I'm not sold on Ian Laparriere uh, to be the leader down there and to make this happen I mean I think the guy has been a workhorse for the organization, obviously, in a million different roles. Hasn't really succeeded in any of them, honestly. Uh, and if I'm the Flyers, I don't know why they don't go to an, like an organization like the Lightning and go try to pillage a lot of the folks in their AHL affiliate um, who have been doing it very, very well for quite some time. If they want to, and as far as I know, there's no real salary cap for the coaches or staff at the AHL level either. So I don't know why they don't go and try to basically pry out all the, all the Tampa Bay Lightning folks and pay them like triple what they're making with the Lightning uh, and bring them in here to make the flyer system better. Um, I think that it'll be great to get some turnover on the player side, but I still have question marks about this coaching staff. I would have preferred a guy like a Scott Gordon stay. At least there were some players that I thought were taking some strides under him. The team was mildly successful and I th- and I thought the guy knew what he was doing at that level um, and he was actually pretty happy to be there as well so um, you know I I definitely am not sold um, on what they're doing from the coaching side down there either but it's going to be a big deal you know if they have another season where they shit the bed um, it's not going to go well at all because it's just going to it's just going to fly in the face of what they're trying to do here
1: uh, in terms of building a winning culture down there I didn't have many complaints about La Perrier this year I, listen, I don't think he's any kind of elite coach doing anything really crazy, but, I mean, the Phantoms were just kicked repeatedly in the nuts this year between the call with injuries at the NHL level, their own injuries, the COVID. You know, they, they they didn't have it easy, and they basically held on to a playoff, not spot, but, you know, they, they they weren't dead in the water until the last three or four games of the season. So, you know, there were guys that took strides under him. I think Igor Zamula's game really rounded out this year. Um... You know, Wyatt Wiley came around as well. So, you know, they did have some some development. Again, is it the best coach possible? No. Should they go pillage somebody of actual caliber? Yes. But, you know, I, I don't think it was the most fair year to judge Jean LePerrier as a coach just because of the fucking ludicrous amount of injuries at both the NHL and AHL level that made things, you know, kind of difficult to judge what he ultimately brought to the table. Do you think that Dave
0: Scott smokes cigars? probably cuz i'm picturing in my mind right now dave scott behind that that you know oak desk of his with a cigar in his mouth and basically saying danny if you really think that you're management material you know what you got to do you got to fire ian Le perrier your buddy i want to see you do it I, i'm thinking <laughs> of what was that movie where al pacino was the devil do you remember that movie and he was like tempting people to do things that they uh, didn't no. want to do? I forget I forget <laughs> what it, what the movie was, but I could I could see Dave's copy like you think you're going to be in the front office, Danny? <laughs> I know.
2: wish he was that savvy. <laughs>
0: you got you got to fire your buddy Ian Lapierre. You got to get him off of this out of this organization. We got to stop paying him.
2: We've been paying yeah.
0: him for a while.
2: <laughs> so get rid of
0: him. Do so it now. Speaking
2: of uh Speaking of Dave Scott, he had a little bit of criticism um, in the in the local sports media this week. Uh, I was listening. Yeah. So I was listening to WIP and um, they had Howard Eskin on. He was uh, basically uh, doing one of the morning shows and they were talking about ownership of the teams in the city uh, and going through kind of what the structure was like and why owners like a Jeffrey Lurie with the Eagles and even a John Middleton like the Phillies um, are very good. And essentially the conversation was it's because those guys are only focused on the team itself. They don't have all of these other things going on. And when it came to Dave Scott, they started to mention, you know, the things. He's not just doing the Flyers. He's doing like the Overwatch League with the Fusion, Wings Lacrosse, the Maine Mariners. You know, he's um, what he's – managing investments as CEO of spectra, the hospitality firm specializing in the venue management stuff. Like food, he's wearing too. Yeah.
1: All the, the food stuff. Oil, the and a- remark right, or whatever they're called. Yeah.
2: yeah. Like there's just way too much stuff he's doing. They also drew a parallel to the Sixers with Josh Harris, who doesn't even live around here as an absentee owner. Um, and there's, there's a trickle down effect they were talking about. And we've talked about this for like years now that, When you don't have an owner that is solely focused on the team, it creates problems because there's not cohesion at that level, and things get messy. Uh, And that's what we've seen with the Flyers here. So it was actually kind of interesting because they were just basically just making fun of Dave Scott because he's just not involved and isn't focused on the team in the way that a Middleton and a Lori are. So that was pretty interesting.
1: Was it Eklund who put out something a little while ago that was like, oh, Dave Scott's going to retire this year and they're going to give it to uh, Tucker... Uh, Tucker, yeah. Tucker Robertson, or whatever the hell his name is. Tuck, you know, like, I wonder how... Like, that's going to happen sooner or later, right? Dave Scott's going to fuck back off to retirement eventually. When does that happen? Like, how much longer... And I guess we'll keep rolling down the thing here that the Flyers are going to suck next year. Like, I hope that's not the case, but let's roll with that assumption. Like, if they have another season similar to this year, and you're Dave Scott, like, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? Like, at what point do you quit before they fire me kind of thing, you know, and go back to retirement? Like, that transfer, like, it may not have happened this year, but I don't think that you know, scenario could be too far off in the future of Scott going away and handing the company to Tucker Roberts or whatever the fuck a kid's name was, you know, like that's going to happen sooner or later. It's, it is interesting to think about when they may pull the trigger on something like that. I guess it really depends on the on ice performance this year.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you're Dave Scott, I'm sitting there going, you know what? This year sucked. And I don't wanna be on the way out or be forced out on I don't wanna leave on, on this note. I wanna I wanna leave with people in place and and people that I trust that I know is gonna make this organization better. Ah! So that would that would put like a, a, a Barry Trots at a premium. That would put other other important pieces at a premium. But at the same time I don't have faith in that no at all.
2: No, their structure is set up for that not to happen. And I mean, unless a guy like a Tucker Roberts comes in or somebody comes in and just shakes up the entire structure, you know, like it's not like, okay, I'm not fucking taking care of the fusion or Spectra or the fucking venue management shit. Like my focus as owner is on the Flyers roster and winning and figuring out how we can do that. Kind of like a Jeffrey Lurie does. I mean. I don't think Jeffrey Laurie is, is fucking sitting there like trying to figure out, you know, OK, well, how many hot dogs did we sell in the stands? Just, oh, we're offering it like, a, you know, th- this beer special or something. But that's what's going through Dave's mind because the venue management is so paramount to what his responsibility is. And it just gets muddled with what the roster is and how the team is actually performing. Um, and there's so many different things involved with that, you know, because the what CEO has to Roberts hire.
1: Like, isn't Tucker Roberts like the esports side of things too? Would he still have control of that as the Flyers like, the, you know, you're still kind of juggling multiple, you know? Yeah, you're still juggling because
2: he's not focused on the <clears> team. It's just other things that they're doing, and it's such a problem because you look at somebody like the Eagles, and like I don't want to go, you know, too far off on them, but the Eagles executives have been unbelievably successful under Laurie and Howie Roseman because they groom other people to figure out how to be GMs and assistant GMs. And you can look at that Howie Roseman tree over the past decade. There have been numerous, numerous other executives that have gotten jobs. Andy Weidel was just hired by the Steelers, Joe Douglas with the Jets, and there's probably five or six others that uh, that we could go through here. The Flyers don't, don't do anything like that because they don't have any management that does anything. They're not focused on what they're doing. They're not focused on winning, on on creating a culture and and a team atmosphere that's conducive to that. They have so many other disparate interests. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's the bottom line business, and the Flyers are just a subdivision of Comcast. That's all they are. Yeah. Um, and until that changes, there's not going to be any difference in how this team functions, how they operate, and they're just going to constantly be chasing their tail— And trying to catch that lightning in a bottle. Um, So anyway, yeah.
0: That's an interesting notion. The Flyers have to be number one on the totem pole. The Flyers have to be the first priority. The Flyers have to be the crown jewel. And until that happens, if they're just going to be a subsidiary in a myriad of different financial holdings and interests that Comcast has then that can be a problem. You know, you're going to have, you know, what's your plan, Dave Scott, for turning the Flyers around? Well, fuck the Flyers. You know, the eSports, the Fusion? I'm <laughs> going to I'm gonna give everybody, remember the power glove that Nintendo had a, a glove where you could play? I'm going to give all of them that. I'm going to give all the coaches that, that. That's my plan. You know, like, until the Flyers are front and center, the top of the totem pole, the tip of the pyramid, <clears> then <throat> if they don't get the focus, then we're kind of going to be stuck in, in mediocrity. Yeah. They need to be given the proper attention and not just be one of many. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's a, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to change for a while because, because they've been doing this for, you know, for years now, their structure is set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if I'm a Dave Scott, I don't want to hear about. It. He's like, oh, I'm going to turn it over to Val and talk about her new 4K scoreboard and you know the uh, resurfacing of the seats and stuff like nobody gives a shit about that. Like when you hear Jeffrey Lurie talk, he doesn't talk about that fucking crap. Like he's talking about the team or $300 that's million
1: dollar renovation of the club level.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like they focus on that to an extent that's just ridiculous. Like you hear a guy, like John Middleton, obviously the Phillies have made some, you know, some very bad decisions, but, but the guy is pushing as hard as humanly possible. Yeah. He admitted that the team sucked ass in terms of drafting for the past five, six, seven years, admitted the Andy McPhail, Matt clentac era was was a failure was a complete failure and you know what they've done they said look we're going to bring in basically one of the best executives in sports and Dave Dombrowski and and the guy is going to restructure our entire system and in the meantime we're just going to spend a shit ton of money on players and hope to get decent because that's all you can do there and you know I respect that from an owner they're not trying to shove some bullshit down my face they admitted that they made some problems, or they made some mistakes, and they have issues, and they're trying to fix them. And I don't see that kind of, whether it's transparency or the way they talk to people or just how they operate, I don't see the Flyers doing those things when I contrast them with teams like the Phillies and the Eagles in Philly.
1: And, and it's where the sense of hopelessness stems from. is like, you can fire Fletcher, but then he gets to with fucking Danny Briere You can get rid of Dave Scott, but then... Does Val Camilla take over? Does Tucker Roberts take over? Like, they're the same fucking people. Just, Mm. you know, it's just... It's not like you're going to get rid of these guys and you're going to be free and they're going to bring in an equivalent to Dave Dombrowski and things happen and change or you bring in... You fire Fletcher and bring in, you know, uh, Jim Rutherford to come in and save the day. You're just... It's it's more of the fucking same! You know? You're just... You need... A generational star to fall into your lap from a player perspective just to get any kind of actual change here. You got to tear this roster down to the absolute fucking studs and try again because that's the only way anything's going to change. But as long as the current group is here, nothing's going to fucking change in that regard. They're just going to keep running it back with Travis Connect until he's fucking 40 years old. You know? Just to piss me off. You I know, mean, they fucking signed Sean Katuri until 2030. You know, like he's not going anywhere. This whole group of shitheads is signed forever. I just, I can't take it anymore. It's all the same. There's no light at the end of the tunnel here. None. All you can, all we can hope for right now is Chuck Fletcher does something incredible and locks into Barry Trots this year. Johnny Gaudreau begrudgingly signs for the Flyers for like $15 million a season. And you get a couple wins under your belt next year and something good happens. But like beyond that, like there's nothing. This organization has nothing right now. Yeah,
0: when, when the Flyers' like medical game plan for Ryan Ellis is let's take him to the Benny Hin Ministries and hopefully they can heal his freaking <laughs> pelvis or whatever it is by putting his hands on his multi-layered that, hip
1: about, injury. Yeah,
0: yeah that's a, that's about where where we're at as a as an organization, but. Uh, I don't know. I think that's where the frustration with the fans comes from in terms of not knowing about a direction and where we're going and and what's going on. And, I mean, Dan, you and, uh, and Anthony's show, you made a great point when you said, you know, what is it that the fans realistically want? Like, we're in the middle of the conference finals. Nobody is hiring a coach right now nobody's making trades you can't yeah. make trades you, you can't do why anything, hasn't good signed yet <laughs> right like every the fans are on edge and listen I, I i want stuff to happen too i i don't want them to run this back uh for for you know the exact same thing for next year they need to be changes made for sure but at the same time your point is correct in terms of you know there there is no rush and i know that they've you know been without a head coach since december or something um and you kind of want some action on that front but i guess we're kind of stuck in this waiting game of seeing you know who's going to blink first is trots going to blink is a team going to finally say you know what forget it i'm hiring so and so because i'm not waiting and that's part of the thing with You know, the direction of this organization is, are we at the point where the flyers are going to sit and wait and let the market dictate what is going to be the next steps for this team? Or do the flyers sit there and say, you know what? We are masters of our destiny. This is the guy that we want. We're going to go out and get this guy. And that's it. We're not waiting for anybody. Nobody's more important than this organization. And I know that trots is that damn important. He is. But at some point the flyers need to get on with the business at hand and the plan for the off season and not sit there and say, well, if we get Montgomery, then it, we're going to do this. Well, if we get trots, we're going to do this. Well, if we get Tortorella, we're going to do this." At some point you have to sit there and go, you know what? The bottom line is we need to start moving.
2: That's what I think they're going to do, though. I, I agree with you uh, completely, but I think that's what they're doing, like we mentioned a little earlier. I think they're waiting on that and that whoever that hire is will dictate where they go. And the directions are very different. Yep. That's kind
0: of scary, isn't it? Very. Like, like, like you have to have an idea of this is where we want to go and this is the guy that we want to take us there. Instead of going, well, if we take this guy, we're going to go left. If we take this guy, we're going to go up the middle. And if we take this guy, then we're going to go to the right. Like, that's not really instilling confidence in me.
1: I get it. I mean, I I do understand their thinking. But, like, I just think they want the best. I do think they want Trotz and Gaudreau. Like, I don't think this is a case of, like, they don't want these guys, and they're actively looking for subpar replacements. Like I do think they want the best. It's just a matter of whether that feeling is mutual. And, you know, I mean, so far, it, it, they haven't said no, which is great. But, you know, until the ink is dried on paper, you know, we're going to be in this weird limbo spot. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be getting answers anytime soon. You know, like I said, we got five weeks until until the draft. And as long as the, you know, nobody's going to make a trade right now. You can't sign free agents until the middle of fucking July. And, you know, the coaching thing may drag out out another two or three weeks before you get an answer on that one. So we're just kind of in that weird zone where everyone wants to to panic. And listen, I realize that this is me, Negative Dan, talking of all people. And after the last two seasons of just complete fucking on-ice atrocities we witnessed that... I have any kind of positivity whatsoever, but just like, listen, I'll get, at if we sit here in fucking a month from now and they completely fuck up and they hire Pete DeBoer or something shitty like that, I'm going to be pissed. But in the meantime, I'm just going to sit here with my little fingers crossed and just hope and pray to whatever fucking God you believe in that Barry Trotz and Johnny Gaudreau are going to say yes. And we're going to come here and we're going to have a good hockey team next season. And everything's going to be great. And we're going to have fun and be happy. <laughs>
2: so if you guys had to make a prediction right now as to who you think the coach will be, not who we want it to be, not worst case scenario, but who you actually Montgomery.
1: think Montgomery, I think it's going
2: to we'll be okay. I'm Montgomery. What about you, Manny?
0: I'll say, I'll say torts. Cause I want it so bad just to piss off three quarters of this fan base. <laughs> I
2: want torts. I think it's torts as well. Um, I think that's what I think that, kind of the old heads are having some say in this. I heard that, that the Clarkies and Holmgrens of the world uh, kind of made it known that they wanted Tortorella. And I think that it was maybe Ant-San had that, or maybe Anthony had that or something, but um, somebody, yeah. I would say that he's not my first choice, but if I had to predict a coach, I think the Flyers are going to go with Torts.
1: He's not my first choice, but I, I gotta say, I'm much more open to the idea now than I was, like, six months ago. Because at this point, I'm like, if you're not going to bring in the best, you may as well bring in somebody that's going to combat these fucking shitty players, right? And I think Torts is going to do that. And, you know, you talk to some players and he's their absolute favorite, and you talk to others and they don't like him that much. So, you know, you got the Cam Atkinson here who seems to vouch for the guy. So, maybe. But, uh, you know, if he can come in here and... Figure some of this shit out from this goddamn toxic team you're dealing with. You know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world at this point. Most like them. And you know what? A
0: lot of people in Calgary were shitting all over Daryl Sutter. And
1: Oh, I love
0: Daryl Sutter. And you know what? Yeah, I'm thanks. pretty sure that, you know, Goudreau over 100 <laughs> points with Daryl Sutter as uh, as coach. <clears> I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a bad thing. Fuck Sometimes guy, people guys need a kick in the ass. Sometimes they do. You can't be everybody's This kumbaya
1: friend. bullshit isn't working, clearly. You no. To...
0: Parents need to be parents. They're not supposed to be your best friend.
1: One
2: thing I do think that Torts would do well is figuring out why these players are not preparing themselves properly. Why that is such a pervasive theme over the years that we've seen at various various generations now of Flyers. And that is the one thing that I think Torts will address head on. And he'll call people out and say, why are we not prepared? Why are you eating chicken nuggets
1: poolside rather than working out?
2: (laughs) What are we not doing here? Are you not sleeping right? Are you not eating right? Are you, what headspace are you in now? He's going to call them directly out for that shit because it's so flagrantly obvious. That's been, I mean, possibly public enemy number one in terms of their problems over the past eight, nine, 10 years here was lack of preparedness, game in and game out. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I think the tourists would really, uh, really do a nice job on. I can almost
0: guarantee you that John Tortorella has never eaten a fucking chicken nugget or a chicken finger in his life. <laughs> it's all chicken parm, chicken cacciatore, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. No, none of this, none of this bullshit. You know, terrible. Uh, what do they, what do they call it? What do they call the meat that? Oh, no processed foods. No,
1: none of this crap. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, and on that cheery note, everyone, I guess we'll uh call it a day here. Um yeah, see Shane on Monday. Anthony's back sometime this week. We got a hell of an episode for you this week. And uh I believe Nick's coming back this week as well, so Yay. There you go. At Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod. Plenty of new stuff on the website at BrotherlyPuck.com or just BrotherlyPuck.com. No at in there. Fuck it. I still don't. You know, I've been doing these plugs for 550 episodes now and still can't do it right. God damn it. Manny!
0: At Manny Benavidez, uh, BrotherlyPuck.com. <laughs> and. Just uh, before I sign off, some friendly advice. If you really want to land Barry Trotz or John Tortorella or whoever, invite them to Val Camillo's luxury box. That's guaranteed to get them to sign. Show off that 4K screen and the music and the circus trance. Guaranteed they're going to sign.
1: Guaranteed. I'm pretty sure Val Camillo's box would scare anybody away. Mike! <laughs> thank you gentlemen uh you can
2: find me on twitter at flyer underscore af um i will see you there and
1: uh looking forward to the next chapter all right everyone until next time goodbye and good nights.